Hi everyone, I'm Pamelia Chia and you are listening to the Singapore Noodles Podcast, your go-to destination to learn about Singaporean food culture. Today I have on the show Chang Pick-In, who is the person behind the Instagram account Pick-In. She also used to blog regularly at pickin.blogspot.com and she also worked at a cafe that I really love before it closed called Necessary Provisions. In this following conversation, we chat about how her blog came about, what she has learned through her interracial relationship with her partner Vijay, and also how the loss of her sense of smell has impacted her love for food. So can you tell me how your love for food really began? I mean, was it because of your family? Was it uh, your childhood growing up in Malaysia, surrounded by good food? Well, actually, I grew up with good food. Uh, my father doesn't do like um, takeout, so he doesn't eat outside. He will only eat home cooked food. You know Petaling Street, right? In KL. Not now, but back then when it was still full of hawkers. Before it was uh, full of foreign workers, like now. Now it's different. So my father was one of the hawkers there selling sunglasses. So, uh, so he worked nights, right? So he worked, because it's a night market, he worked nights. So what he'll do is he'll cook before he goes to work. Um, and then, well, very typically, we will eat whatever he cooked for lunch and then leftover for dinner. <laughs> so sometimes sometimes it's like that, like, you know, Chinese family, they don't cook. When he works at Darling Street, um, he's also exposed to very good food. Um, he will know which are the best place to eat, whatever, that, you know. And um, he's also exposed to a lot of... Uh, uh, food hawkers there so uh, and also restaurants right so when he wants to know how to cook something he will ask them <laughs> and they will tell him all the secrets <laughs> so that's and he'll he'll come back you know he'll come back home and he will try it out until he perfects it so I don't know if you know this dish I mean it's a very typical dish uh, it's called watan ho you know the ho fun with the egg gravy so, yeah, I remember that one that he practiced many, many times and for many weekends or like, you know, he would cook what until he perfects it. And also, it's like that. So, I grew up with that kind of uh, food environment. Uh, never need to, I never crave outside food. So, as a child, I would, when they cook, I would just, you know, hang around the kitchen sometimes, you know. Uh, I would stand at the side and then see how, how, how they cook. Although, you know, like I, I, I won't be doing it, but I will just see like how they stir or whatever and then how they cook soup. Like it, I started cooking a lot when I, more when I came to Singapore. Was, uh, back then, I was still staying with my parents. Um, so, it, but it, now when it comes to Singapore, then I just need to like refresh a little things because I basically already know how to cook rice, how to cook this, how to cook that. So if I've never steamed fish before, then I'll just ask my mom, you know, like, hey, how many minutes and that's it, you know. Because I know how to do it. It's just that, you know, just to double confirm the timing and that kind of thing. And the food blog actually didn't start. Didn't start as a food blog, it was a personal blog. Okay. So, but in 2000, I think 10... When I was going back in Canada, I broke my leg. So I was stuck there because I couldn't, like, uh, I decided to, uh, because I was given, like, three months before, I, I need to stay in the house, not walking too much for three months. So I decided to go back to KL and stay at my mom's house. Uh, 
um, that was when I was in the house, nothing to eat, you know. So, so that's when I started. Uh, okay, figure out like okay, what can I cook for myself while hopping it with the crutches, you know, like one side holding crutches, one you know, one side like. Mm-hmm. So I started cooking for myself, and since I was very free, because I was on leave, right? I didn't need to do work. I was very free, sitting there eating, and nothing else to think about. So I started reading, uh, reading up, you know, what to cook, you know, internet, you know, Google some recipes because, you know, uh, something simple, I, you know, usually best in stuff. Um, so uh, I came across this food blog. I, I'm sure you know, it's Mitten Kitchen. So mm. yeah, she's, she, uh, at the time she didn't have a book yet. So <laughs> but I really like her, I really like her blog, you know, so I started going through recipes and everything. Then I was like, hmm. Since I'm already cooking, why don't I just take a photo and then talk about it, you know? Mm. It's also for... Because I was so free, you know? So it's like, it's, it's, a, it's an outlet, you know? Wow. And that was when food blogs all over the world really, you know, much... Correct. Then I, was, then I realized there was so, there's so many, you know, great food blogs, you know? like So I started reading a lot of them. And, and the thing I realized that during that time, the blogs are really creating their own content. Mm. They don't cross post uh, other people's, you know, just take some other people's idea and then just post it and then, you know. I feel like what I really loved about blogs in that era was that it felt very down to earth. It felt like, oh, you didn't have to have like a fancy camera set up. Um, you know, you can just take a photo with your, your phone. And, you know, back then, I mean, I used to be a huge um blog lover like i would visit all these different food blogs that's way before social media right and we we do we do connect you know mm. some some of them when i like we comment on each other we, we comment we, we ask like we share ideas and stuff like that you know uh and i actually make quite a few friends yeah like real friends through through those blogs yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the beauty of blogs and social media when they first started was that it, it started with very like innocent intentions like, oh, you know, I'm just sharing about my life. And then slowly as the years went by, it became more intentional, more like business centric in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So when you first started your blog, you know, you started it as a way to document your own life and the things that you cooked. And then how did it evolve? It didn't, re- <laughs> it didn't really involve this. It's still pretty much the same thing. Um, it's quite stressful sometimes because although I wasn't really one of those big bloggers, but I still want to like create content every, at least every two weeks. If it's not every week, maybe every week is too much. So with a busy work schedule, like I can't really like cook dinner because you know it'll be dark and. It be like lousy to shoot, so it's always weekends. It's dedicated to creating something for the blog. So I will because it's for the blog. I will try to always you know, uh, try something new. You know, I almost never repeat a recipe, uh, unless it fails. <laughs> so, um, that went on for a while, and then I was also on Instagram. Um, so I think uh, at one point someone noticed the content, and I was actually approached by page one. Uh, the publisher to whether I want to do a cookbook or not. But um, I started, but then um, something changed at work and I got really busy, so I, I couldn't. Because writing a cookbook, 
they demand you to have to give them sixty recipes, even though you know maybe ten of them is not gonna be used. So sixty recipes, and then I was only given, I think nine months. Hmm. So for you, when you first started, what was your impetus to put recipes out there? I mean, it's a lot of effort for you to you know not repeat a recipe and to make sure that the light is right. So what was your motivation? So actually, the content of the blog actually, uh, the earlier ones are actually shot using DSLR. Um. So, yeah, the because I started looking at other blogs, right, and I find oh, the food photography is so nice. You know, how can I do this? Yeah, I went to like see, you know, and there are a lot of bloggers who share the knowledge. You know, they actually share you know how how to take food photos and make it nice and make it look nice. You know, or mm. how to style food or you know how to use reflectors and those days video are not mm. not, not not so great yet. So still a lot of it is still photography. When I want to share a recipe, I always think about how it looks first. So it's kind of like you know reverse. So when it, when it, when I'm always like struggling, I was always struggling when it's like curry, you know, like. Like mm. Jay's mom's curry or whatever, like you know anything, any brown food or that kind of thing. But if it's then that also got me into making desserts because they look beautiful, like you know cakes. Mm. Yeah, and do you feel that um you know Singaporean or Malaysian food is particularly difficult to photograph? Difficult, yes, yes. Uh, mainly because okay, you know. A stew, <laughs> or whatever, right? And there's only so much that you can mm. style something, right? Curry stew, brown food, or yeah. like even rice, or maybe soup. Um, and I don't believe I strongly do not believe in putting anything into the food just for styling. So if it doesn't belong there in the recipe, you don't put it, right? At some point, I was putting coriander to everything, so even then, mm. I was like. Okay, so, you know, I brown is for coriander or chili. <laughs> so it's difficult. Yes, it is difficult. Like even even like uh, Vijay's mom's mutton. You know. Yeah. You know when it's cooked and it's supposed to break down a little bit, you can't even see much. You know, and how do you how do you want to style it? Because mm. um. Then I realized that sometimes you can refer to Dora Hey because she does a lot of Asian mm. food, so you can take a leaf from that. But if you don't want Dora Hey style, because when people look at that, they'll know okay, this is Dora Hey. Nowadays, I prefer to style it the way it is intended. Like if it is Indian, try to use something that is closely Indian or just basic, you know, animal stuff, animal bowl. Make the bowl boring, you know. Make the food talk. Okay. Yeah, so you know when I was reading your blog post, I feel that one character that keeps coming up is your partner VJ, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what I found so interesting was that you know you would post a lot of recipes from his side of the family, like right. your, yes. um, like his mom's uh, what was that? Uh, parato? Is yeah, that how yeah. you pronounce it? The mutton. The mutton. Yes, yeah. Yes. So can you tell me about? whether you were familiar at all with Indian cuisine before having met him? Yes and no, because, you know, in KL, right, the thing, the difference between KL and Singapore is, Malaysia and Singapore is, uh, <clears throat> the, there are not many migrant Indians there. I'm sorry, like, uh, foreign workers there, who are Indians. The Indians there are really Malaysians, you know, citizens, right? Uh, so 
the cuisine is the 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 food that you find at Indian restaurants or Indian places there, uh, not exactly the same as here, like in Singapore. When I say here is Singapore, right? So in Singapore, you you find a lot of vegetarian places, which is very good. You know why? Because there are a lot of vegetarian Indians here compared to in Malaysia, right? In KL, so in KL, most of them are meat eaters. So you find a lot of typical stuff like banana leaf. You know, banana leaf. Everywhere you go is banana leaf, right? And there's not a lot of North Indian things, whereas here you you find more. Uh, uh, yeah. So. What I know about Indian cuisine before I met him, I didn't know much because at school, weirdly, I don't have many Indian friends because I don't know, just just so happened that you know the school is like that. So yeah, didn't know much. Mm, how did you take to it? I mean, was it something that you um, embraced very readily, or did it take some time? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really nice. I mean, his mom's cooking is really homely. You know, like. Uh, she doesn't really follow anyone's recipe, but she she cooks well because his father's father is also a chef. Oh wow! Yeah, so he, they they learn from yeah his his grandparents really good cooks, so that's where his mom learned as well some of the dishes. That's amazing. So, so what were some yeah. discoveries for you in terms of like ingredients or techniques that you had never seen before? Of course, like how to treat spices, you know, how to cook rice. Uh, a lot of things are very basic. Mm. Um, but what I discovered is uh, Indian cooking or at least Indian home cooking can be very, can be quite healthy, like a lot of people assume that, you know, all curries have to have a lot of coconut milk mm. or a lot of fat or a lot of ghee mm. <laughs> or a lot of this or a lot of that, you know. But it's not, you know, that's not how they eat every day, mm. you know. The paradigm that you speak of is actually really only during Diwali. special occasions. Yeah. Or, you know, someone's birthday or, you know. They don't eat paradigm every day. So every day is just, you know, normal, you know, like, like, fried fish or some sambar, you know, with the dog. Yeah. That's more common. And those are quite healthy, right? Mm. So that's 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 basically it. And uh the other thing is his mom also liked to cook vegetables, uh a, a lot of vegetables, not the Indian style, like not not, not cooked to death. Yeah. She likes to cook uh vegetable the Chinese style, so yeah. <laughs> Actually, when you know, that's a bit different. because I I grew up um eating my mom's cooking right, and she's Cantonese, and so yeah. you know when I was living in Singapore, I really didn't like eating Indian food because it's so different. It's like the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Right, right, right. right like Cantonese right, cooking right, right, is all right. about like you know you have one or two really good ingredients and then you let that shine. Yes, 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 yes correct. And then, like with Indian oh, yeah. cooking, it's a lot about the spices, you know, complex the layers. Spices. Yeah. Yes, so for yes, you, yes. I know that you use. I mean, you are a hakka. Um. So uh-huh. was it something that was? I mean, the the flavors and the textures. Was it something new to you, or was no, it? Definitely not. It's not new because I, I was already even though I I didn't have many Indian friends, but I did eat a lot, quite a bit of Indian food mm. before already. So all I had to know is you know 
how to cook a biryani, like a simple one, not, not a dumb one. <laughs> okay. Uh, <coughs> and it's amazingly easy. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, so, and uh, how to cook mutton a certain way. But uh, the other thing about his mom is she came up with a lot of things herself. Okay. Because, you know, not cooking her. So when she wants to have cooked chicken and she's bored of this, then she'll think of something else. You know what I have in my kitchen? I'll just throw this a bit and try this a bit and use that, you know? Yeah. So a lot of the recipes actually came from those, you know, not, not the... There's no standard recipe out there that she wants to follow anyone. Yeah. So a lot of things are, are really just, you know, home. You can't find anywhere else. Yeah, that's fascinating. Like the, like the recent Diwali that we did, we did uh during the COVID thing mm-hmm. where that time it was only like five guests allowed in in the house yeah. to visit. So, it was the first Diwali that he couldn't go back home because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So we did, we did something crazy. We cooked. So I know. <laughs> I, cook I, I read about that on your. Was it, your it was so crazy. <laughs> it was so crazy because it was just two of us plus a friend, essentially. But the friend left. The friend only helped us with prep. Yeah. So it was only two of us, and he wanted to do a, the whole sheep, the whole jing mang, yeah, no, yeah. the whole thing. You know, the rice, the mutton, the chicken, and he wanted to do dosa. Okay, so. So anyway, uh, what I wanted to say is, uh, so we cooked one of the chicken that his mom did. Mm. And it is a very simple one with just some tomatoes and some spices. Yeah. And and we cook button. So together we serve those two dishes on that day with rice. And a lot of people love the chicken. Keep talking about the chicken. Keep asking the, about the chicken. Hey, what is this? You know, I've never had this before. You know, it's so nice. It's, it's not even spicy. You know? mm. It's not even spicy. You know, kids can have it. But it's so nice. You know, what do you put in it? You know, how do you do it? I was like, yeah, so it's one of those home things that you you can't find anywhere else. It's this kind of, I think it's this kind of, in terms of content, if you ask me, like, I don't really need to know how to make a standard biryani that you can find in the shops out there. Mm-hmm. So if, you're, if you or your family have a way of making biryani that is like, oh, you know, different, mm-hmm. and then how different, you know? Like, why is it different or why is it good, you know? Why would I, why would I want to come to your house to eat that? Mm-hmm. Or why would I ask you for the recipe? That is something that you want to see, right? Mm, definitely. Right? So these are the content that you want. Like how, how you share, you know, your blog. Uh, to be honest, like why, it, why I'm interested in your content is because you ask people, mm. right, to contribute like their family stories or their, their, their way of doing things, right? Mm. Plus, I, I did... To be honest, I did make the curry puff from your blog, and it was the best curry puff I ever had in my life. It was also the it was so much work, yes. you know, rolling it. Like I would, I would when I but when I ate that first bite, at the time I can still smell. Now I can't smell. At the time, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is the only curry puff I want to eat from now on. You know, yeah. so. Yeah, it's like that kind. That is the other thing is uh these laborious things. is losing its um. So it's losing. It's it's losing. It's like no, who does curry pot pushing anymore mm. here mm. to sell? You hardly see. Yeah, 
you know, because it's so much work and nobody knows how to appreciate it. Mm. Only certain people. And these, these are usually our age and old school. Mm. <laughs> like we will, like me and my friends were like, like, I told my friends that, I told my friend that I make curry pot pussy, you know, and then she said, okay, let's, let's see how, how often you make it again. <laughs> That's what she said. Because <laughs> she, she buys them frozen, right? And I made like eight and then I, I froze like four of it. Mm. And then, um, you know, but, uh, so after I, I came out from operation, I couldn't, I couldn't smell. So I, I, I when I couldn't smell, I, I, I feel very sad that I couldn't. I, I didn't want to eat that for, so I asked Vijay to eat it because I told him that at least you can smell it, so you appreciate it more than me. So I'll just like you know, if I feel like eating, I'll make it again. But yeah, that that's that's the I would like people think like it's just curry puff, mm. you know, but it's curry puff pussing, you know. Come on, it's like our cross, it's like our version of the more croissant, you know, like <laughs> yeah, it's, like your your teochew mooncake, right? The one, the puff. The, the pastry is like that kind is is that appreciation I don't think uh, a lot of people can relate to them it's just pastry yeah and I think that's so sad yeah. right I mean because a lot of yes things, yes um you know the profit margin is so low and it's so it is it's like yes it's basically no profit if you if you ask about the labor hours it is like it's negligible you know and it's like the other thing is the uh, those uh, nyonya kueh. Yeah. The... Or even things like batang, right? Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. I, I made batang once, by the way. Oh, you did? How did that go? Never, never made it again because I was doing the work alone. Yeah. Right? So, can you imagine like doing everything alone? Yeah. So, I mean, what possessed you and BJ to make the Diwali meal alone? I mean, just two of you. Oh, that time. Um, was it Was it because... Um, it was because uh, he couldn't go back, that's one thing. Okay. So, but he still... Uh, well, I, I think in, in his uh, view, if I can't go back, I still need to do something. Yeah. Because it's, 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 it's kind of like bad luck if you... You know, it's supposed to celebrate. Yeah. So even if you can't celebrate with your family, it's supposed to celebrate. Yeah, but I feel that right? a lot of people would just tapau or just, you know, buy, take away and just lay it on a plate for, for friends or something. No, that's so not us. <laughs> I mean, it's not you, but the thing is, a lot of Singaporeans actually do that, right? Like, no um, one is like my friends who have recently gotten married and moved out of their parents' home, right? When I ask mm. them, you know, what do you cook at home? They say, you know, we, we hardly cook. We only cook like once a week, you know. And then I say, can you show me but, your fridge? And they open it. But is that, but is that, is that, okay, to be honest, right, if you're talking about, is this a young married couple? Yeah, it is. Well, I guess uh, in Singapore, when you're a young married couple, cooking is not a priority. Uh, <laughs> when, when we were, when we were, that kind of age, it was not our priority as well. It was so busy with work, mm. and but you, you just you know the hours here, the demands of work. Yeah. By the time you get to the end of day, you know, unless there is no food in front of you within one kilometer or what, you will not cook because you're in Dillsford, right? You can't really go down there, yeah, with yeah. The coffee shop there and eat, right? But if the lifestyle here is is the work demand plus the traveling. Yeah. You know, if you take public transport, you have to spend yeah. 
you know, half an hour standing in the train or whatever. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is cook. That's true. But you know, now- sometimes the last thing you use, sometimes to tapa also is like, Oh shit, it's so tiring, you <laughs> That's know. True. So what what made the difference? I mean, why is it that at these at this age you would want to cook? Actually, to be honest, uh okay, this is another part of my story. I didn't want to cook for the longest time. For the longest, longest time. I didn't cook because uh, after I recovered from my cushions and I had my surgery, I couldn't smell. Mm. Zero sense of smell. So if you 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 can't imagine how it feels like until you experience it because can you imagine being in the kitchen and you can't smell yeah i know that would be so depressing i i read i read this blog uh-huh. but uh mm-hmm. the blog name is molly's madeline mm-hmm. and she basically wrote about that she said you know she used to work in fmb and then one day she got into uh-huh. like a car accident and she lost her sense of uh-huh. smell. and i was like that yeah. is the worst thing to happen to anyone correct yes so luckily i wasn't a chef right so 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 uh, cooking became very depressing because uh, there was still one point where I tried to you know see if I I can be bothered you know there was one morning when I came, I woke up I decided okay I want to eat fried egg yeah so I just fried egg it was so depressing because the point of frying an egg in the morning why do you have to put up the grease and cleaning up the pan it's not really <laughs> Just the egg, right? You want to be able to smell it, correct? Like the smell of fried egg. Mm. You can't, you know, I can't. So I just, I stopped completely. Like I didn't bother. Like I just go downstairs, buy something, you know, eat outside. Mm. Or at most, if, if it is breakfast, I, I don't fry egg anymore. I would just boil it because, you know, there's yeah. nothing to smell in there. <laughs> it, was, it was quite depressive. So <clears throat> um, I focused my energy on something else like work and workout exercising i didn't cook at all until april when i decided to uh take up uh strength training Mm. and also be macro coach in terms of nutrition so i i I signed up with this coach and uh the first thing i tell him when i talk to him about nutrition and macro is dude i don't cook Okay, he doesn't know me personally, okay? So, dude, I don't cook. I just eat outside. I eat here at this mall. I, I will pack from here. or My office is here. You tell me what I can eat and what I can not eat. Mm. So, that went on for a while. Until it was fine. And I was still losing weight. I was eating damn boring stuff. Because there's very limited things that you can eat, right? When you when you, when you you eat outside and try to eat healthy. Mm. So, I can't eat Thai bung, you know, yeah. whatever. So, um, that went on for a while until... Singapore had this uh, on and off thing about restaurants closing. Mm. You can't dine in anymore, right? You can't dine in. Yeah. Uh, for like maybe two weeks or whatever. So there was this period of time, I think it's about one month where you can't dine in. And I decided, okay, it's like I can't dine in. So I didn't want to grab food because grab food is very difficult to say that you don't want this, you don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, can you replace this with that? No, that, that doesn't happen. Mm. Uh, and take away. No, I don't really like it. So I said, okay, so maybe it's time to cook again. <laughs> so I started cooking again, but like a lot of uh, clean stuff, you know, I was lazy and I just wanted to do simple things like salad and stuff. So that's when I started cooking again. And then it gradually moved on to, yeah, cooking some things again. Some, some Because a lot of uh, the traditional Asian recipes are still quite not 
not uh, diet friendly. Mm. But yeah, I started cooking again. And just uh, again, simple stuff. Mm. And um, today, can you yeah. smell? Has your sense of smell? No, no. Oh man, still can't. Oh yeah, God. that's so sad to hear. Like I yeah, in a way, yeah, I got used to it. Like I got used to it. Uh, so when you can't smell, the other thing about uh not being able to smell is also it affects your taste to a certain Yeah. So those days I'll be able to taste a curry and tell you roughly what's in it. Yeah. Like I can give you know the yeah, master yeah. chef where you have to list down twenty ingredients. Yeah. I would have gotten like fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Oh my! But now it's like now it's like just okay. Something spicy, something salty. There's something in it. But yeah, sure. because you can't smell the aromas of the yeah. ingredients. Exactly. So exactly. what? What is cooking to you now? I mean, given that you don't, you can't have that pleasure of smelling, say, you know, the browning of the egg or the aroma of a curry. So, uh, well, um, now, uh, now it's really to, now if you look at the things that I put out, it's really... Salad, a lot um, of salad. <laughs> other than salad, there's something else, you know, like, like I, I, I've, I mean, right now I've been a lot more, more fat and yeah. more carbs in my diet. So technically I can go back to cooking a lot of Asian stuff. So now I will look at uh, some Asian things, um. And then try to reduce the oil and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Of course, I won't do deep fry and yeah. And then, like I, I don't do yeah. If a dish is supposed to be deep fried, it's supposed to be deep fried. Mm. I won't go and say okay, you air fry this and it's gonna be the same. No. Yeah. So I don't do those. I rather not do those. So I will. But if there are some which is not deep fried, like uh, pan fry, and then I'll see it. You know, like tomato egg. Mm. Right. You know tomato mm-hmm. egg. Right. And then you see the Tata place in like a bowl of oil in there. <laughs> Actually, you don't need a bowl of oil. Yeah, you can still do it with like, you know, Monster minimal oil. You'll still, still be fine, you know. So that is what I try to do right now. Like, um, because yeah. to be honest, you know, who wants to eat salad all the time? That's right? true. So, of course, I, I, I still want to eat stuff, you know, like, uh, yeah. But yeah, so... Hmm. So, you know, like uh, the kind of food that you, you know, how, how do you think your relationship with food has evolved? I mean, you, through reading your blog post, I can tell that you used to have like this love affair with food, right? And then now that with, you know, with your sense of smell gone, how do you think? And my health yeah. more important, yeah. So... Well, with the smell gone, uh, okay, so, of course, there's this period and I still, I'm still, like, strongly, I feel strongly about it, is the, we have to, um, why I agreed to do the cookbook last time, although it didn't happen, is because I want to make sure that our tradition mm. is passed on, right? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> for example, advocacy, mm. the Hakka one, right? Now before, like now, there's a uh, quite a few haka, uh, haka, so called eating place in Singapore. Before that, no. So then you figure out like who will at, like ten years down the road, who else will know how to make this? Mm. You know, I don't know how to make it because my my mother didn't didn't get to learn it from her grandmother, mm. so she doesn't know. 
so this kind of thing like 10 years down the road probably no more nobody else will know yeah right same goes for the kuih right mm-hmm. a lot of people are making it and still selling it and but still like how many people who are they passing on are they passing this knowledge to anyone like who do you actually know is still learning how to make kuih from your mother mm. a lot of like us like even me i don't know right i'll just buy because i know this person is really the nyonya one who learned from his parents yeah. i'll buy from him right but I, I can't make it because you know it's not it's not realistic for me to make it because no one else will eat it but what at the end of the day when he because if he's not married he doesn't have anybody to share the knowledge with mm. who is it passing on to yeah so 10 years or 15 years down the road that's it nobody will know what is it mm-hmm. like once upon a time there's yeah. this <laughs> and a lot of it like in singapore out there it's already made in commercial kitchens, right? That's very true. The ones that you see selling in the shop, the shopping mall, they're all from commercial kitchens. Yeah. All from central kitchens. They all taste the same. Sometimes they they are so bad that in the morning if you buy it and you don't eat it by the afternoon, it's that it's bad. Mm. You know, so it's like I I have I've experienced that before. So like you know, and like even the Chinese uh pastries. Yeah. You know, the uncle auntie business mm. once once. If no one wants to take over, that's that's the one thing that uh, I don't know. Like who can champion this? Yeah. Like Kesiro is like saying hawker will soon be, soon die. You know the hawker culture. That's the culture. But what about all this like traditional food, right? Yeah. Right. I unless we pass it to our children. Like I don't have children. Like I don't. I don't have anyone to pass it to. But at some at some like young people. Like if I if the ones that we can hope for is the young people who are interested in food and you know like yeah yeah I definitely agree with everything that you said you okay. know um now with COVID I've not been back to Singapore for a while and I just worry that the next time I come back I would have I would realize that so many of my favorite dishes or hawkers even in Kel yeah even in Kel a lot of the good places are close. Yeah, because the the the, the generation already—that's the last one. Yeah, no one wants to take over a sixteen hours, eighteen hour business. Yeah, so I mean, continuing tradition that that has always been a problem. But I think another problem that I've been seeing, especially in Singaporean society, is a lot of people are cooking within their own race. Um, so like Chinese people are only mm-hmm. cooking Chinese food. Um, Malay people mm-hmm. are mostly mm-hmm. only cooking mm-hmm. Malay food. And uh, I feel that we are losing that kind of creativity that that used to to be in mm. the past, right? Where all the all the hawkers would have these kind of creative exchanges. They would exchange recipes, and that's how new dishes are born. Um, so for you, learning from Vijay's mom or Vijay himself, what do you think that whole experience really gifted you with? Um, I'll say, well. Interest, of course. Like before, I had his mom dose. I never had dose before. I, okay, I had. <laughs> no, no, I had dose. Correction, I, I had dose in KL, yeah. but it was like not good. You know, um, not not to say not good, but okay. Her mom's dose is like the plain one. Huh? There's nothing. It's empty. You know the plain dose. Yeah. The, the dose they eat with chutney, right? This is dose and chutney. So that kind of simplicity. To get the dosa right, mm. it's not easy, huh? yeah. right? 
Oh, the dosa that I had in KL is like the rawa dosa lah. You know, you go to a restaurant, you order the fancy one with things inside. Mm-hmm. So, when you, of course, that's one that's one style. But what I learned is sometimes things can be simple and good. And that simple thing is actually hard to execute. Mm. Like, if you try to make it yourself, it'll take you a few tries. Yeah. Or, you know, you, you have to... Um, the other thing is... Uh, you learn things when you cook, like experiences, right? You learn things, um, which I think is important. Like, um, and then practice. Like, if you, because there's this uh period, long period of time I didn't cook, right? So I stopped, and when I started cooking again, and you know, uh, the movements I lost. Like I, I I lost it a little bit, you know. Mm. I used to be very efficient, you know. I'll 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 cook, and then I'll I'll, I'll know that okay, if, if the dish is this, the dish is this. What I will what I will do mm. to be very efficient, like multitask, you know, like how chefs move in the kitchen. Yeah. You don't do one thing, right? We'll do this, and then while this thing is this, then this, you know. So that's basically what I learned. Um, culture wise, I think. The thing is, when his mom cook is quite simple, so I, I didn't, there's nothing uh, quite uh, complicated, mm. you know, uh, to learn there. Mm. But we learn to appreciate the taste, the small things. Mm. Um, like muruku, for example. Mm. Let's say, let's take muruku, right? Uh, typically, when people make muruku, you see them squeezing the better straight into the oil right while turning yeah. and trying to make it into what her his mom uh wants it to look nice mm. so she doesn't do that she'll squeeze everything onto a tray yeah and make it like you know like a cookie right mm-hmm. like squeeze it on a tray everything is on a tray and then when you want to fry it you scoop it up and fry yeah so that's how she makes it so that's why i would make it that way because i want it to be look you know, nice and flat, you know, that you can eat it nicely, you know, not all over the place. That's, that's like the small things. Mm. Right, the small things. And of course, uh, some tips and tricks, you know, especially like how to cook rice and rest the rice and all that. Yeah, and it's a completely different philosophy from how Chinese people cook rice, right? I mean, just in the way that you approach it, like um, recently I was making biryani and just learning. Yeah, I saw your bread here right next. Especially the word the pie, the pie oh, crust. Yeah. I was like, okay, the pie crust. Like, okay, I want that, but I can't. You know. uh, yeah, I mean, it was so much effort, leh. And like things like soaking the rice beforehand. Exactly. I mean, like Chinese yes. people, we yeah. never ever soak rice, right? Um. Okay, for basmati, yes, you have to soak. Yeah. So I mean, but but the, that's the thing, right? Chinese people they don't use basmati. Yeah. Well, yeah. So. Exactly. So I mean, things like helping the grain elongate to the maximum maximum oh, length. I mean, that's something yeah. that Chinese don't think about. So I, I find that very mm. precious, lah. I mean, the more I learn about yeah, it, those kind of knowledge, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Ingredients, spices. Uh, you know uh, how to treat the spices mm. a lot of people cook yeah. Indian but they don't they don't they don't respect the spices at all yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, they don't treat them right mm. and so you know now with your changing relationship with food right and uh, with your platform on Instagram and with your blog 
you know, what is the message that you would like to tell people who come across your content? At this point, I would say that because I can't smell and therefore I can't taste really well, the process of eating is a bit different already. Yeah. So it can be said that it can, it's diminished. So I take more joy in the process of cooking. Oh. Although I can't smell. That's a great way to <laughs> think about it. Right. Because, like, a certain type of curry will never taste the same as per when I can smell it. <clears throat> when I couldn't smell, I told my coach, uh, well, at some point, my coach was just trying to get me back into cooking in the kitchen. I give him all sorts of excuses, and I give him, before, uh, you know, the heightened alert where they close the restaurants, I even give him the soft story. And, Do you know that, you know, there's this one day when I couldn't smell, you know, uh, how depressing it is because I actually uh, took out a plate of chicken, raw chicken that has gone bad, and I didn't know. Ooh, crap. Because I couldn't smell, right? Yeah. So I started cleaning the chicken and was like almost going to start to marinate it for something. And then VJ walks in the kitchen and then he said, mm. Mm. <laughs> you wow. know? So that, that kind of story, like I, I, I tried to tell him and give him excuses and all that. And, and then he said, uh, why don't you try, you know, give it a try. It's still better than, it's still better than food outside. So that's his statement, which is true, you know, especially if you're, if you're health conscious, right? <clears throat> Whatever it is, when you eat outside, you don't know what they put in, right? <clears throat> so you can only see. So, yeah, so uh, when I got back into cooking, you know, even if it's simple, even if it's a plate of salad or even if it's just roast chicken, I feel the connection, mm. like when I eat it. <clears throat> I know this is the food I made myself, and I enjoyed the process, even though the process is quite simple. Yeah, you feel the connection. So that kind of connection is something that is always not there and missing when I eat food outside. Of course, it's different if it's uh, you know, a restaurant setting, you go there to enjoy food. That's different, right? But if you're just eating a meal that is just to fill yourself up, not having a connection, like, I'm sure every night when you have dinner, right, that you cook yourself, right, you, you have that connection, right? Mm. Imagine if you're just like ordering it from somewhere. Yeah, of course. It's so it's, different. It's different. It's different. No matter how you try to enjoy it, mm. it's not the same. Right. Yeah. And only people who cooks and who enjoy cooking and who dwells into this, uh, yeah, cooking as a passion will understand. No, no one else will understand because to some people food is just food you know yeah this is a way to make me full exactly and cooking is just a way to make the food cook so you can cook it this way this way this way it's still food yeah wow i find it so so inspiring i mean like the fact that you have lost your sense of smell but you still can have this kind of connection and relationship with food it's really wonderful Anyway, yeah. thank you for coming on the podcast. You know, I really love talking to you and it really gave me a fresh perspective, you know. So let me end with a small anecdote. Sure. <laughs> so, so, I've been, uh, so I've been on uh, like clean eating and sort of like, you know, watching my macros and watching my calories. So needless to say, whatever, like festivals or like bak chang, forget it lah, you know. Like those kind of like high calorie stuff. I try to avoid it. <clears throat> but recently, mooncake. <laughs> um, I've stopped. And to be honest, I've, I've, I've stopped. I've, I've not been eating sweet stuff for many years because mm. uh, I just lost interest in it. 
So I, I also stopped eating mooncake because there's only two of us, you know, and buying like uh, four mooncakes is going to be like, you know, like how are we going to finish it? So that kind of thing. So, but recently, I don't know why it's due to my diet, you know, clean eating or whatever. I suddenly have this urge to eat mooncake, like just four. And, and the urge only came after the day itself. Mm. Like the day of the mooncake festival has passed. And then I was like, mm, I've not eaten a piece of mooncake. Maybe I should try. So, but I, I wasn't interested in the normal mooncakes anymore. You know, the yeah. normal ones, the one with the pastry. Okay. Because I've actually, you know, seen what goes into it. A lot of sugar. <laughs> yeah. So then I remember, okay, my friend kept telling me that there's this Teochew version. She actually showed me, and inside there's yam, right? Mm. So the yam and the, and the pastry. So, and I remember, hey, Pam did one of that, you know, that video. Uh, okay, that, that maybe not video or something, that post. Mm. And I remember that, okay. But I didn't go to your recipe yet. So I, I because I know I'm going to buy it. I'm mm. going to buy it and eat it, right? So I quickly go and, like, it was already on the last day, you know. So I was, like, checking my friend, my friend, hey, this kind of mooncake, this teochew mooncake, where I can find, you know, because it's not any any, any, yeah. any other shop, right? So she she gave me like a, two sources, and I, I quickly call the restaurants and buy it, and um, and um, I quickly go and get two two boxes actually, so four. So I never had that mooncake before. Mm. So I had the first one. Oh, this quarter, okay? Quarter, I was like, oh, this is like so much better than the normal one, you know, the normal. <laughs> We just like, what? This is mooncake. It's so nice, you know. So we, we both love it. And I gave it to my coach, you know, that Filipino boy. And he yeah. was like, what is this? It's so nice. You know, like, <laughs> oh my God. And then, yeah, so so I bookmarked your, I will, I will, I will subscribe to the blog and be a, 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 a subscriber. So I, I, I plan to make it next year. Oh, yes. <laughs> Please do. Oh my god. I can't believe that was your <laughs> first time trying Teochew Mooncake. The Teochew one, yes, because it's, it's never, it's not famous. Among the Cantonese, it's not. That's we true. only, uh, we only, the, the normal one, the snow skin one, and mm. that's it, you know, we are not exposed. Prior to this, I don't even know. Okay. I know there's Shanghai Mooncake. Mm. That's different. But prior to this, I didn't know that there are other mooncakes like Hainanese mooncake and all that and all different styles of mooncakes. I didn't know. Wow. I just assume I just assume every other dialect also eat this. this yeah, yeah. It's so different. Okay, and I'll tell you something that so will blow your mind. So you know at Old Airport Road there is this stall that sells um the flaky curry puffs, right? Like the the curry pup um pusing, pusing. the one that you were talking uh, about, right? Uh, 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 so this stall, um, I think it's called Wang Wang. So they sell like really good um curry puffs. And I realized that this guy used to be a chef working at a Chinese restaurant making Teochew mooncakes. And so he used the uh, same technique on the curry puffs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because essentially it's also a, a lamination, lamination, right? Lamination, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when yeah. I found out about that, like my mind was blown. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was so lovely having you on. <laughs> yeah, same here, same here. That wraps up another episode of the Singapore Noodles podcast. You have been listening to Chang Pickin of Instagram account Pickin. If you'd like to check out her blog, even though she doesn't blog regularly now, you can find her at pickin.blogspot.com. 
Food media tends to focus on Singapore's best hits like chicken rice or laksa and fails to capture the diversity of Singaporean food. By documenting overlooked recipes, Singapore Noodle seeks to share about Singapore's rich food culture with you. If you'd like to support the work that we do, sign up to be a member on our website, sgpnoodles.com. You'll get access to all the recipes on the site and participate in monthly cook-alongs. Once again, thank you for listening to the podcast and I'll catch you next week.